We're going to have another reading now, this time from Luke's Gospel and chapter 23 and verses 39 to 46. If you'd like just to have the opportunity to stretch your legs, then you can join me by standing and we're going to read this passage together as well. It's entirely up to you if you'd like to remain seated, but if you want to stretch your legs, this will be a good opportunity to do so. So let's read together God's word. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. It perhaps seems a little while ago now that on every evening news channel that you watched or listened to on the radio, nearly the first thing that we would be told each evening was the numbers of people who had died as a result of the COVID virus in the previous 24 hours. They seem to be uh, only releasing those details about once a week now, but I did happen to hear yesterday that 12 people died because of the virus. I'm sure we're thankful that the numbers are very, very small now compared to what they were back in April, May, and June. But nonetheless, there are still people, it seems, dying from this awful illness every single day. And of course, there are people dying through all sorts of other uh, reasons each day and uh, Driving over here this morning, I was listening to the radio news and it said that there'd been a number of stabbings in Birmingham last night. I don't know if anyone had died. But we hear about death so often, don't we? And it seems to be going on uh, all around us, not just in, in countries far away. Well, I wonder, do we ever give thought to people who are dying, perhaps in a hospital bed. And if we wonder, in the last moments of those people, I wonder if they ever gave thought to getting ready. Getting ready to die. After all, we, we get ready for everything. I'm sure there's no one here this morning who didn't bother getting ready to come to church. Uh, that might have meant different things for each one of us, but we all, in some ways, we, we got ready because that's what we do. Whenever we're going somewhere, 
we make preparation for it. Well, in a sense, the last journey that we'll ever have in this life will be when we leave it to go into the next life. And so, really, it's very important for us to, to get ready. And for us as Christians, part of that getting ready, because in a sense, when we first turned from our sin and asked Jesus Christ to become the Lord of our lives, we did get ready in that sense. But Jesus also wants us to get ready in another sense. He wants us not just to die one day, but he wants us to die well. And if you think about it, there aren't many examples around, are there, of people dying well. No one's really queuing up to be uh, a helpful example to us. Uh, after all, uh, that famous TV show, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, is not about has-been famous people uh, popping their clogs and, and dying. Perhaps you wish it was, but that program is not about people dying. Now, of course, many people see Jesus as being the greatest example of how to live uh, a life because we, we see from the Gospels that Jesus lived a perfect life. And so he is truly a most wonderful example for us to follow. But sadly, many people forget that Jesus didn't come into the world primarily to be an example for us to follow. He came to be the saviour that we've already been thinking about this morning. And it's only when people welcome him into their hearts and lives as their saviour, and they have the new spiritual life from God the Holy Spirit that comes with that, that we're then empowered to truly follow Jesus in the way that he wants us to do. And of course, the Gospels tell us that throughout the, particularly the last three years of the life of Jesus, he has given us in so many ways and so many examples of, of how we are to live. It's very important for us to remember that he's also given as an example of how he wants us to die as well. If we want to look at someone and say, well, that shows me, that's my example of how to die well, well, the Lord Jesus is the one for us to look at and think about. And that's what we read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, a few minutes ago. And that example is found in verse 46, which is our text for this morning. Now, seven times Jesus spoke as he hung upon the cross. And in verse 46, this is the very last of those. It's the seventh thing that Jesus said from the cross before he died. And Luke tells us before he quotes what Jesus said, that Jesus called out in a loud voice. He wasn't just going to go out on a whimper. Now, some people, when they're dying and they speak their last words, they can only speak, they can only muster a whisper. They haven't got the strength to, to speak in any greater volume than that. But the Lord Jesus did have. And he spoke with a loud voice, as though he wanted as many people as possible to hear his final words, to hear them 
and to take note of them. And we should be in no doubt at all that they're recorded for us in the Bible because Jesus wants us to hear them. He wants us to hear them this morning and he wants us to take note of them as well. So let's have a look at what it was Jesus said in the very last words that he spoke before he died. And the first thing we can notice is that in these words, Jesus was praying. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase sometimes used, what a way to go. It's sometimes spoken of a person who has died in a very unusual way. In fact, I discovered you can even buy a book on the internet called What a Way to Go, with lots of stories of very unusual ways that people died. Now, for many today, for someone to be praying as they died, they would see that as a very unusual way to go. After all, not many people seem to pray in life, so it shouldn't be surprising if not many people pray when they leave this life. Well, that's what Jesus was doing. He prayed in the very last words he spoke before he died. What a way to go? Well, this was the way truly to go. Communing with heaven, talking to God. This was how Jesus died well. May that be an example and a challenge to us when our time comes, whenever that may be, that if we want to die well, we want to be dying with prayer on our lips. The Lord Jesus seemed almost always to be praying during his his life. The Gospels record again and again of, of life being so busy for the Lord, but he was always looking for times to get away from the crowds. Sometimes in order to do that, he had to get up very early in the morning, something that most of us find incredibly difficult. But he, he kept wanting to make time to pray because praying was vitally important in his life. And as we see here, not just vitally important in his life, but vitally important in his death as well. Jesus tells us in this prayer who he's praying to. He's praying to his Father. And this is very significant for us because the, the agony of his substitutionary suffering that had been going on in the hours leading up to this moment had come to an end. The rejection that Jesus had had to face by his father, as it were, stepping back from the son as he was being made sin for us. And Jesus crying out earlier, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That sense of forsakenness that Jesus felt had now come to an end. The Trinitarian relationship was restored again between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And isn't it a wonderful blessing that we know if we're Christians here this morning, that we too, when we pray, 
We pray to that Father. We pray to our Heavenly Father. And it's something we've had the blessing of doing since the very day that we were converted. Maybe up until then, we just said our prayers. But how wonderfully different it is to pray, to talk to someone that you actually know. And you know that he has such love and compassion and care for you and I. We shouldn't forget either that when Jesus was praying to his Father, he was praying to his Father in heaven. And Jesus knew that he was going to be returning there at the very moment of his death by his Spirit. And when we pray, we pray as Jesus instructed us, our Father in heaven. We have confidence that he is there, and not only that, but because of him and because of all that he's done for us, one day we'll be there. And when we die, we will go to be there with him. That is our home. That is going to be our eternal destination. Someone once said this, comparing the the non-Christian with the Christian, comparing the unbeliever with the believer. They said, the unbeliever when dying has one foot in the grave, but the Christian has one foot in heaven. What a difference that is. What a blessing to know. What a glorious prospect we have if we are those who trust in and follow the Lord Jesus. Now, I seem to remember mentioning during a previous message preached here, probably a couple of years ago now, that I like to take our little dog and we often walk around our local cemetery that is near our home in Dunstable. And I love reading the headstones and uh, the different uh, details about people, but particularly any message that they've left behind. And it's lovely when you see Bible verses uh, on headstones. But I've also noticed that some people quote part of a hymn. And the most popular hymn in Dunstable Cemetery that I've seen, I think, at least four or five times is just the first line of the hymn, In Heavenly Love Abiding. And I suppose the individuals who are buried there and who asked to have those words imprinted on their headstone, they wanted any passerby in the future to know that as far as they were concerned, they knew that they were now in heaven. They are in heavenly love abiding. They are safe now. They are at peace now. They are happy now in a way that they were never at peace and never knew happiness during their lives on earth. In heavenly love abiding. Not just a temporary experience, but an eternal experience. What a blessing to be able to face death with that confidence. And that was the confidence the Lord Jesus had. And that's the confidence with which countless Christians through the the centuries have died with. And what a blessing it will be if that is the confidence we can have when we face death one day as well. 
Now notice, secondly, that in Jesus' very last words, he was quoting Scripture. And this is something that we could very easily overlook. But what Jesus said just before he died is a quotation from his forebear, King David, that was written about a thousand years before. And they were words found in one of David's psalms. And they're words that are found in Psalm 31, verse 5. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Now that psalm, written by David, was a prayer. And David was using this phrase in the sense of describing where he had committed his trust for his life. And three times in an earlier part of that same psalm, he's already described the Lord as being my refuge, my place of safety. And now, David's greater son is quoting these words on the cross, and he's quoting them in the ultimate sense. God the Father is the one who is going to take the Spirit of his son, home to heaven. And Jesus is committing into the care of his soul, of his spirit, into the care of his father. One of the great blessings of the Bible for the believer is that it offers us comfort in difficult times. And what more difficult time will we ever face than when we come to die. So to be able to be in that situation and to remember and even quote words of Holy Scripture, what a help that will be to us. And I'm sure it must have been to the Lord Jesus himself when he quoted those words. We know at least of one other character in the New Testament who quoted very similar words to the Lord here, and that was Stephen, when he was being stoned to death because of the stand he made to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And he had prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He was following the example of the Lord Jesus, and as a result of that, he was a man who died well. Oh, and there's one other thing to notice about Psalm 31, verse 5, because the words that Jesus quotes from it are only actually the first half of the verse. He didn't go on to quote the second half of the verse. Actually, he couldn't go on to quote the second half of the verse. And I don't mean because he couldn't get the words out, that he wasn't capable of saying them. Yes, he would have been capable of saying them, what I mean is they didn't apply to him. They were only words that the likes of us could speak because the verse goes on to say, David went on to say to the Lord, you have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Do you see why Jesus couldn't say those words? Because he didn't need a redeemer. Only sinners need a redeemer. He came to be the redeemer the redeemer of sinners like each one of us. He came to pay our debt, 
to pay our debt in full by hanging on that cruel, cruel cross. And thirdly, we can notice that Jesus was focusing on his spirit rather than on his body. Now, how many people today devote much of their lives to their bodies? Clothes, shoes, hair, skin, lips, eyebrows, figure, nails, and that's just the men. Think of the time and the money and the effort and the worry, all to look good and feel good. Yes, our bodies are important, but they're not everything, are they? What time do we give to our souls or our spirits? Those words are used interchangeably in the New Testament in comparison with the time and effort we give to thinking about our, our bodies. You know, Jesus once asked a question in which he laid the, a person's soul or their spirit, as it were, in one side of a set, set of scales, and then he laid something else that um, we might think of as being the, the most valuable thing that there is in the whole universe in the other side of the scales to see which was the most important thing. Uh, and on the other side of the scales, it wasn't even a huge pile of money. Jesus actually put the whole world in the other side of the scales. And he said, even that compared to the soul is really not worth having at all. What should it profit a man, Jesus said, if he was to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Our souls are so much more worth anything and everything that there is. You know, there's a huge irony here because our souls or our spirits, they're the only part of us that go on living when we die. And yet, they're the biggest part of us that we neglect while we live. So I have to ask the question, are, are we mad? Are we actually stark raving mad as human beings when we think so much of the body and so little of the soul, though the body is going to be one day six foot under, but the soul will go marching on? We've got our priorities completely back to front. So one of the things, surely, that learning to die well means is to stop focusing so much on our bodies and start thinking a lot more about our spirits. Yes, we know from the scriptures that there will be a bodily resurrection one day, but the main priority for mankind ought to be preparing for the moment after death, when each of our spirits will go into the presence of the king of the universe, the king of the universe who will also be the judge as well. How sad it is that there are many, many people today who convince themselves that the body is all there is. In fact, this isn't a new idea. Uh, many, many centuries ago, there was a Greek philosopher called Epicurus, and he very proudly and confidently declared, when death is present, we no longer exist. 
Well, he was completely wrong about that. Completely wrong. And one of the reasons we know he was completely wrong was because of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He knew otherwise. And that's why he was bothering to pray just before he died. That's why he was bothering to quote scripture, uh, those comforting words of scripture just before he died. Because he knew for certain that death was most certainly not the end. He knew where he was going and who he was going to be with. Another thing to notice from these last words of Jesus, fourthly, is that in saying them, Jesus was submitting to his heavenly Father. We know that from the the very age uh, of 12, that Jesus was mindful of his Father's call upon his life. And that call involved a total submission to the Father's will in everything. And the New Testament wonderfully tells us that the Lord Jesus was obedient to his Father. Obedient even in the very darkest hours of his life. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane where where he prayed, Lord, if if it's possible, take this, this weight of what's coming away from me. And when he realized that that weight wasn't going to be taken from him, that it was going to have to be borne by him, he said, no, Lord, not my will be done, but your will alone be done. And beyond that, right up to and including those hours upon the cross itself, Jesus was submitting to the will of his Father. No wonder Jesus could previously say, I always do those things that please him. Oh, that you and I could say that. Oh, that you and I could could stand here today and say, yes, I always do those things that please him as well. We know that we don't, do we? We, I think we please ourselves uh, far more than we please God very often, but not Jesus. He always pleased his Father. The Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Philippians, said he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. And here he was now, his work completed. He'd already cried out previously in triumph, it is finished. And so the only thing left for him now to do was actually to die. And even in that, the Lord didn't just leave it to chance. He committed his soul to his father. Did you notice those three things, the three parts of the Lord's words? Father, hands, commit. No one else, just to his father. And more specifically than that, to the safe, strong hands of his father as well. And finally, committing himself into those safe, strong hands. There's no sense of fear, is there, at all, as Jesus is about to die. He's ready. He's more than ready. His work is done. He's ready to go home. It's true that even Christians at times can be afraid uh, of dying, 
But Jesus is surely teaching us here that there's really no need to fear death at all. In fact, the great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said uh, about this concerning the fear of death and the Christian. They find it to be a pin's prick, whereas they feared it would be a sword thrust. I have to have a blood test every four weeks, and when my sleeve has been rolled up uh, and a bit of antiseptic has been applied to the arm, the nurse always says the same thing. Just a short scratch. And it is, thankfully. Every time, it's just a short scratch. It hurts for a, a couple of seconds, and then that's it. It's all over. And Spurgeon is saying, that's as bad as it's going to be when you die. Just a short scratch. You think it's going to be a, a sword thrust into your side. It won't be anything like that at all, he says. It's going to be almost completely painless. Dear friends, what a lovely example we have here in the death of the Lord Jesus. His humility, his dependence, his confidence, and all of these things at the very same time. Is that how it will be with us when our time comes? Is that how you want it to be with and for you when your time comes? comes well if you know God as your heavenly father it can be and if you have the same confidence of, as Jesus did it will be and when we die we're going to be with Jesus yes he died and he rose again on the third day his spirit was reunited uh, first with his father and then on that resurrection morn his spirit was reunited with his body. And 40 days later, he bodily ascended up to heaven. Well, just one more thing as we come to a close this morning about this verse. Because when Jesus has finished speaking, Mark, or rather Luke, he tells us about something that then happened. Jesus breathed his last. He died. He finished his prayer. And then that is actually what happened to him. And it's a marvelous thing, you know, that Jesus chose the moment when he died. It didn't just happen, as we might say that about us human beings... You see, we don't get to choose when we die, do we? Unless a person commits suicide, which is a, a terrible and tragic thing for any person to do, the timing of the moment of our death is not in our hands, is it? We can't choose when we die, but Jesus chose when he died. And doesn't that remind us that he wasn't just a man? Wasn't just the men above men. He was the God-man. He was the God-man who had the authority to die at the moment he decided. And the Lord had stated that very clearly in his teaching ministry. In that lovely chapter, John chapter 10, 
Jesus said to the crowds on one occasion, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. I doubt very much whether this subject of dying well is particularly pertinent to any one of us at this present time. In fact, you may be sitting there thinking, well, I don't really need this sermon at all this morning. I don't have COVID. I don't have any other illness as far as I know. And in many cases here, you're very young. And you may feel very healthy. And so you think, well, I don't need to hear about dying well. But you may be very healthy right now, but isn't it true that that can change for someone at times very, very quickly indeed? And isn't it also true that sometimes fit and healthy people die? Suddenly, because of some disaster, some accident, we could think of plenty of different examples. But what we do all need to realize is that the moment of our death is not in our hands. How good it is then to know that whenever our time may come, whether it's this week or in 50 years' time, our times are in his hands. We can commit our whole selves to that same almighty Father. We can have a sense of peace because he does know the time that we will die, the when, the where, the how. And if we're his people, he wants us perhaps more than anything this morning to know that whenever it comes, it should be important to us to want to die well. Yes, we want to live well. That's a, a greater priority to each one of us if we're Christians. We want to be obedient to our Father, just like the Lord Jesus was. But at the end of years of living well, the Lord wants us to die well. And may he write these things on our hearts so that we may remember them in the time to come when we really need them. And we may draw comfort from these very simple and yet final and yet wonderful final words of the Lord Jesus. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Amen. <laughs>